Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. Uh, wrapping up a series today called Cancel Culture. And I realize that could be a little bit loaded title in 2021. Like if I disagree with you, canceled. And that's not us. That's, that's not what we're doing. We're using this title to talk about some things we need to cancel out of our life to create space for healthy things to grow. And man, if there was ever a time, just the heaviness and the weight of a pandemic, man, it's, it, man unhealthy things just grow in dark spaces. And so um, this one probably speaks, it may not hit you today, but it certainly speaks to our culture. It speaks to, to where we're at. Mike, Speak to the next generation and just growing up in a pandemic and so on and so forth. And today I just want to talk about canceling fear. Because fear holds us back so many times. Man, it, it costs us things, costs us from maybe taking next steps and so on and so forth. Philippians chapter four is where I want us to spend our time today. And, and I'm gonna throw lots of stuff at you. If, you've, if you're a note taker and you've kind of looked at the handout we give you, there, there's a lot to walk through. But God's word is so practical. It's deep, it was written over thousands of years, but even though it's an ancient document, it is still helpful and, and hopeful for the things that we're going through. So Philippians chapter four, verse six says, don't worry about anything. Ha! You ought to have a kid off at college. You know what I'm saying? How are you paying for that? Instead, pray about everything. Well, let's just go ahead and step on all our toes right up front. Way to go, Paul, right? So tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It's like this peace. The older language says peace that passeth all understanding. You know what I'm saying? His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. So if I'm walking and living in a season of fear, I want some peace to kind of counter that. I want some peace to, to deal with that. Verse eight, now, dear brothers and sisters, one more thing, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So this passage, verse six, began with this idea of don't worry. Don't let fear get you down. And then he gives us several tools to put in our tool belt. If you do worry and fear, Here's some things that will cancel that out. Paul gives a pretty good formula here for canceling fear. Because fear can be crippling. Several years ago as an organization, we, we did just some, some deep organizational health work, and we discovered because of some things in the past of our history as an organization, we were leading and living in fear. Fear can be crippling. I don't want to make the wrong decision. Oh, I don't want to get hurt, or I, I don't want to hurt someone, or I, I don't want to lose someone. So when I was eight, nine years old, and I, by the way, I love it when people travel south down here, and like, especially if you're going to, uh, you get off of McAllister, off of the turnpike, and, and you head towards Atoka, there's the big daisy exit. I get pictures all the time, like, that's my people representing you going down daisy. I was actually born in Antlers. A lot of people don't even ever get over there. Like, you can't get there from here, you know? And so when people drive through, we used to have a McDonald's way back in the day. That's when we was all uppity, Right? Okay, so 
I was born in Antlers back when it had a hospital and lived there until I was about fifth grade. But when I was eight or nine years old, my parents, we had just built a new house and it was literally a block from the church. Like you didn't go to church, somebody knocking on your door. What's the matter? Y'all good? Y'all why y'all? And like, okay, because it stayed out in the country, right? So we built this new house and we had been to Daisy, which is where my grandparents lived. We'd been to Daisy for something, and we came back, and it was after dark, but as we approached, kind of drove up the hill to our house, black smoke was just billowing out of the, like out of the eaves, out on the end. That's, that's a bad day, right? So parked the car in the garage, and when we opened the door to the house, just smoke just comes boiling out, Okay. There weren't cell phones back then. So we actually, I think my mom ran across the street and asked if they could borrow their phone and called the fire department. They came in, they, they put the fire out. So lightning had actually struck our house. Apparently there was an electrical issue, right? And there was a TV in my room that had caught on fire, all right? Now this was not like Moses and his burning bush experience where the bush wasn't consumed. My room was consumed. I had burned up, it was smoke, right? So in and around that same time frame, my dad had just had a pretty major back surgery. Back then it was just different. Like he was in the hospital for almost a week. My mom had been through a surgery. And and then there were some other small things that had happened. Like my parents had gone to an evening meeting one time and and they left us literally with our best friends in life, Pastor Sean Weavers, who's, I've known Sean since he was born. We stayed the night with Sean and, and his mom and dad and you know, we didn't know. We, we, we didn't know we were staying the night. We were going to be there until mom and dad came back and picked us up. Well, unbeknownst to my brother and I, and he's three years older than I am, that our friends had just left a note on the front door that said, hey, don't worry about the boys. They're asleep. Just come get them tomorrow. The problem is we weren't asleep. We were laying in bed freaking out that our mom and dad hadn't come picked us up yet. You know what I'm saying? And like our mind just goes through. I guess we're orphans now guess we'll just go live with our grandparents. It was just a, just a, as a kid, I had a lot of fun when I was seven, eight, nine, but I also look back on those years and I remember it being a traumatic season of my life. So much so that my brother and I, even though we had separate rooms, um, we slept in the same room just, just because of that weird season. So, and where's my original Star Wars people? You know what I'm saying? Back when Hair buns were cool. Come on, get them up there. Where's the OG people? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I had seen Star Wars like 40 times. That was the thing. Luke Skywalker and Yoda and Han Solo and like Jabba the Hutt OG Star Wars. You know what I'm saying? And so you probably remember this for those of us that are cool and remember the trash compactor scene in the first Star Wars movie. Remember that? Like in there and they're yelling at each other and they're trying to stop this big massive thing, right? Okay, so... My room had been burned. Don't forget that part of the story. We had twin beds in my brother's room, and I'm half asleep, but yet it's a really weird season in my life. I'm traumatized because I was left at a friend's house overnight, right? And so I'm just laying there, and I open my eyes, and I, I, guess, I guess I moved my knee or my ankle or something, and the bedspread moved just right. And you know how your mind plays tricks on you when you're eight, okay? This is what I saw. The trash compactor monster stuck his head up right next to the board. Okay, so 
I screamed as manly as I could for an eight-year-old boy, yet surprisingly still sounded like a little girl, all right? And so my brother, who again is three years older than I am, is supposed to be my protector, which is why I was sleeping in his room, was there to protect me. He beats me out the door, runs smack into my dad in the hallway, crash, which slows down my dad, by the way, from getting into the room to save my life from the Star Wars monster, all right? I had a lot of fun when I was seven, eight, and nine. But I also remember those years of life as just being marked with a lot of fear. Get it? I'm, I'm an adult now, but there's still things that cause me to worry. There's still things that cause fear and anxiety in my life. And I know some of you, you, you may not be afraid of anything. I, what's that like? I mean, that's cool. That, that's awesome. But I think there's a lot of us in here that there's things that are constant conversations that are running in the back of my mind. Darren, I'll admit to you right now, I'm afraid. I'm afraid OU's going to beat us. I just am. That's a thing. I mean, like, they're just figuring things out. I mean, we could watch the Kansas game and get some notes, but I'm just, I'm telling you, I'm scared. We're going to lose. So in all seriousness, I don't, I don't want to make light of fear because it can become crippling. And fear comes in way too many forms. It's, it's kind of the base motion for worry, stress, anxiety. And see, those are what I call, this is my term, they're swelling emotions. You know, you remember, we were, and maybe it's still a thing, but you could get the little pill thing that there was a sponge crammed in there, you know what I'm saying, a little toy. Remember that? Then it would kind of swell into this thing. Fear does that. It's this little bitty thing or it's this little bitty pill that you put it in your mind and it just kind of swells on you. That night, my brother and I, we were staying at my friend's house, and my parents didn't come pick us up. Fear just began to swell on us. Oh, no. I guess we're going to have to live with our grandparents the rest of our life. Oh, no. Parents are dead and never came and got us. And right here in Philippians chapter 4, Paul gives us a playbook. And honestly, as you're studying this, I'm going to look at this. It doesn't make sense. And so this is where the faith component of our life comes into play. Because Scripture will tell us to do things that don't make sense, but we have to step into faith that God's ways are higher than our ways, and God's ways work when mine don't. So don't worry about anything, but instead pray. Well, why would I waste my time praying when I should be out working to fix whatever's broken? But he goes on to say, listen, tell God what you need. He loves you. And I'm just in a season where I'm learning the depth of God's love. God loves you. Tell him what you need. And thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace. Then you'll experience God's peace, which then exceeds anything you can understand. So this is what he's saying. You do these things. I know it doesn't make practical sense, but if you'll do these things, you're going to step into God's peace, which you won't be able to explain, and his peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ. The first thing, if I'm going to cancel fear, obviously, it's right there at first. I need to pray. He lists prayer first because prayer needs to be our first response, not our last I know that's a cute little tagline, but it really is, re really is real. There's a huge variety of reasons why a person can wrestle with fear and worry. Maybe for a season, but maybe it's a lifetime kind of play. But as fear rises in our life, so should our prayer. I'm going to be honest with you, not all fear is, is bad. I certainly want my kids to have a healthy fear of, of guns or, or playing in the street or taking candy from strangers, you know? I've told my kids from the beginning, if a stranger offers you candy, always 
always make sure they show you the candy first. We're not doing the cheap stuff. You know what I'm saying? We're not after cheap knockoff candy. We're after Reese's Peanut Butter. I'm sorry, that's not even right here. If there's kids in here, don't listen to Pastor Brent when it comes to candy and white vans. And right? So years ago, Landon was five. Kaylee would have been a year old. She was just a baby. And I was in a massive season of fear. And something, I just had this constant fear that something was going to happen to one of my kids. Like to this day, I had a vivid dream so clear. I could record to this day, like 12 years later, the details of that dream. And so I just lived in this constant state of fear. So a good friend of mine who's a Christian counselor, I went and talked to him about just, man, I, this, is, this is weird. It's like, well, when fear rises, maybe it's telling you something. Fear can be unhealthy if we live there, but not necessarily all fear is, is bad in our life. And so he asked me, he goes, are you spending enough time with your kids? And no, I was young and full of life and just ready to go change the world, right? And so, no, I'm probably not spending enough time with my kids. He says, okay, so maybe fear is trying to remind you, hey, I need to slow down. He said, do me a favor, try this. Whenever that fear comes on you, make it a point to spend intentional time with your children. Sure enough, that time or those days or that season of fear would come and I would just adjust. I would spend some quality time one-on-one with each kid and then spend quality time with the family. And lo and behold, that would put the fear aside. When fear arises in our life, we want to get rid of it. We don't want to live under the pressure of fear, but it's also possible that it's telling us something. And maybe one of those some things is we need to spend some more time in prayer. Now, if you don't think I'm a whack job, you're really about to, okay? Because I'm going to freak some of you out. If you're a guest with us today, come back next week. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll, but I'm, I'm going to teach you something that I learned a long time ago from a dear friend of mine, a guy named Pastor Art Rogers. Art has gone on to be with the Lord, died of cancer several years ago. But in my relationship with Art, he, he taught me the art, and, and the term for it is called centering prayer. And what you're doing is, it, I mean, Scripture tells us to pray, but it also tells us to meditate, and the centering prayer does that. It combines prayer and meditation together where you just kind of center your thoughts and your focus on the Lord, okay? And so set yourself down, get somewhere where you're comfortable. Sometimes I'll even just kind of lay down, face down on the floor. And as you breathe in, you repeat something in your mind, or literally you pray something in your mind. 99% of the time, as I'm breathing in, I'm saying the words, holy, holy, holy. Yes, God is holy, but he's three times holy, you know? So, as I'm, and, and that's what Revelation records. As I'm breathing in, I just, holy, holy, holy. And then as I exhale, I do something similar. I, as I'm breathing out, a lot of times I breathe out scripture, like creating me a new heart. So, holy, holy, created me. And then I just do that. Edit. I'll take my phone and set a timer for 10 minutes. Hey Siri, set a timer for 10 minutes. And then I'm just, holy, holy, created me a new heart. One of my favorite things to pray is, holy, holy, holy center my thoughts and my meditation on God, but just increase your anointing. Holy, holy, holy. God has not given you. 
And it just, I take 10 minutes to literally just stop, meditate on his holiness, pray his scripture into my life. Now, don't judge me. Sometimes I fall asleep. That's what the timer's for. Be real, all right? But if you, even if you have fear at night, like if you're just worrying about your kids or your finances or your marriage or your life, then one of the best things you can do is just pray because Philippians told us, pray, and then the peace of God comes rushing into your life. In a stressful season, or maybe just make this one of your spiritual disciplines or practices, holy, 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 God's not given me a spirit of fear. That brings peace. For me, it's a great way for prayer and meditation. So to cancel out fear, I need to pray. I need to pray first. Make prayer the first response, not my last resort, which makes sense. Then Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him. Now, this steps into the, this might not make sense, the things that Paul's going to tell us, but it does usher in God's peace. Thank him for all he's done. So to cancel fear, I need to give thanks. Actually, a careful study of Scripture. I want you to pay attention to this. Giving thanks is a cure for a lot of things in our lives. You'll see that in Scripture. You'll see that in Psalms. Whatever we're wrestling with, the Bible just says, stop, pray, give thanks. Fear, worry, anxiety, that all comes kind of from a fear of, of lack, a fear of missing something, a fear of death or a fear of loss, a fear of being flat, financially broke again. And when I am thankful, when I stop for a minute and find something new to be thankful for, what I'm doing is I'm reminding myself, self, God is still faithful. When I stop and I'm thankful, I'm reminding that life might be tough right now, but God is still good. Giving thanks is an antidote for depression. Giving thanks is an antidote for sadness. It's a cure for fear. It's a cure for worry. It's a cure for doubt. It's a cure for fear. It's just a way of reminding myself of down through the years of my life, have there been difficult seasons? Yes, but God is still faithful in my life. I might be in a scary situation right now. Like your life might feel like a cheap horror movie, okay? But if I can stop and pray and give thanks to God for what I do have, maybe I don't have the answer, but I do have a history of his presence and his peace and his being faithful for me. It is a reminder that he is still faithful. So stop and give thanks in the middle of your fear. It doesn't make any sense, but it's going to usher in the peace of God in your life. And then Paul says this, to cancel fear, I need to fix my thoughts. We need to retrain our brain. Everything you do, and I know I say this a lot, but everything you do either feeds your faith or it feeds And I don't know about you, but I need to feed my faith. Especially if I live in a season of fear. I don't want to feed the fear. I want to feed my faith. So if the trash compactor scene from Star Wars doesn't count, but it was pretty scary, right? In my lifetime of 47 years, I have only seen two scary movies in my life. Right? It's just not my jam. Where's all my scary movie people at like you? You people sick. The heebity jeebities You know what I'm saying? I was like a freshman in high school when I saw a scary movie, and I still remember, yeah, I'm just, that ain't my thing. I'm a cartoon guy. Where's all my cartoon people at, all right? So it used to annoy the heck out of Jerry. Like, we were dating, and a new cartoon movie would come out, and I want to take her to see it in the theaters. 
And she would be like, you know, like, baby girl, you know you married a kid at heart, right? Then God gave us children, okay? And so now I put it on them. Oh, the kids want to go see. The kids can't even talk. What are you talking about? I just thought they would like, you know, and so it's on the kids. Now she's cool with it. It's weird. Like, she didn't even watch the cartoon. She's just eating popcorn watching me because I'm like a big kid. <laughs> you know? I'm going to put that in the podcast. I'm like, take that part out. It's got to make the blooper real. I don't even know what that was. Fear can be a trigger. Fear can tell me I need to adjust some things in my life. Maybe I need to pray more. Maybe I need to slow down and spend time with my kids or be more diligent with my family. But if you're starting to always live in this world where you think your truck is going to break down, your wife's going to leave you, your dog's going to die, the fish ain't going to bite, you just need to listen to a little less country music. I'm just throwing that out there, right? There are 365 different Bible verses that have the concept of fear not or do not be afraid. 365 days in a year. How genius was God in using his people to write the scripture that he would give you a fear not verse for every day of your life. 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. So I want you to follow what John's saying here. That he who fears has not been made perfect Love. Just because I have fear, I'm not perfect love, that, that's, that's not what he's after. Like, what's, what's the worst thing that could happen? Lose my job? Nah, that's bad. Look at the bank account and it hits zero. That's bad. That's, that's not honestly the worst thing. The worst thing, let's just get real for a second, is to die without a hope of the next day. I know that sounds... Sunday schoolish and kind of cheesy Sunday morning type, right? But there's a lot of bad things that can happen. But when the doctor walks into you, walks into that room and he says, you have cancer, all of a sudden, loss of job, it falls way down the list. All of a sudden, that's not your biggest fear anymore. Your marriage has some issues, but when life and death is on the line, all of a sudden, we can figure some things out in our marriage really quick. There's some things that just don't matter as much. Sure, there are real fears about real life circumstances. But let's just get real. When it boils down to, am I going to live? That kind of fear trumps everything. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers, people who were with Christ, that they've already died, like my dad. Like my grandparents, I don't want you to grieve like people who have no hope. Paul's being very specific here. Like believers have a hope, which goes back to what First John was saying. Listen, perfect love nailed Jesus to the cross. Perfect love took care of my sin yesterday, today, and forever. The worst thing that could happen is death apart from Jesus. But because of Jesus, we can say, oh, death, where is your sting? It was Christ's perfect love that gave us hope of an eternity in heaven. And that is a comfort for your biggest fear. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God's not given us a spirit of fear. Now granted, Romans 8.28 can apply to our fear that fear can prompt us to adjust some things in our life. 
to realize God's not given us that spirit of fear, but God wants to give you power through the power of the Holy Spirit, living, breathing, working in you. God wants to put a spirit of love in you. And God wants to give you a sound mind. And sometimes when fear is swelling in our mind, when fear is dominating our life, it's because our mind is not sound. We've maybe fed it with the wrong things. Maybe we've done too many of the wrong things. And I need to retrain my brain so I can have a sound mind. And go back to Philippians 4. He says, fix your thoughts. Retrain your brain. Think about what's true. Think about what's honorable. Think about the good stuff. Think about what's right. Think about what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Let me just throw this out there. Everybody say, I love BK. Second service never does that. It's crazy. They just look at me. If your default is negativity, if your default is negative, your fear is going to be excessive. Why wouldn't it be? You've already let your mind go there. You already see the bad and the worst in everything. You already expect the worst to happen. So if I'm going to cancel fear, I have got to change the way I think. I've got to stop the way I think. I need to replace it with faith. I need to feed my faith. I need to get God's word inside of me, right? So Philippians 4.9, keep putting into practice all you've learned. Here's the fourth thing that Paul says to cancel fear. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me, everything you saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Don't worry, don't have fear, don't have fear, but I'm giving you another tool to bring peace into your life. Number four, to cancel fear in my life, I need to practice Christianity. Put into practice everything you've learned. Put into practice what Scripture says. I need to practice Christianity. Living the Christian life is an antidote for fear and worry and anxiety. When your life gets captivated by fear, there are 12 things that you can do. We call them spiritual disciplines. A couple of years ago, we had a whole small group that spent a whole semester studying these 12 spiritual disciplines. Back side of your handout, I'm going to give you these 12 spiritual disciplines. Paul says, if you do what you were taught, if you do what you saw us do, you will have God's peace in your life. Twelve hard yet practical things that fix a lot of stuff in our life. Are you ready? Let's get this. Go, Colby. Me and you, baby, right here. Woo! Twelve. All right? So number one, study the Bible. Study the Bible. Get God's word in you. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive. And it's, it's crazy. You can read the Bible that is ancient and you can be going through something and you read a psalm and, and you can read where he's like, all of his friends are now his enemies and the world's crashing in on him and his dog's mad at him. And then you see like, Selah, but God, you're good. You know what I'm saying? There's something about how the word of God can just speak right to my situation. It's alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint, like it knows right where to hit you. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I've got to study the word of God. I've got to get God's word in me. Might even need to memorize some of those, like God has not given me a spirit of fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Number two, prayer. We've already talked about it. I don't want to spend too much time on here, but Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly 
to the throne of our gracious God. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That's where we'll receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. What takes me to the throne room? Prayer. Before Jesus died on the cross, somebody had to go into the Holy of Holies and pray for you. Now, when Jesus died on that cross, that veil was ripped in two. I can go boldly before the throne of grace myself. We need to pray. Number three is fasting. We need to practice staying no to some things in our lives. The American way, and I'm, I love this country. I love the opportunities of this country. Bless you. But the American way of I can have everything I want, when I want it, pay for it later. We don't say no to anything. It's going to get us. It's going to get us. Hear me. I do not enjoy fasting. I enjoy feasting. You know what I'm saying? But I need fasting. I need it consistently, regularly, day a week in my life. I am so much better when I have this spiritual discipline in my life. And so in Philippians 3, it'll come up on the screen, he's talking about people's behaviors who are enemies to the cross, not Christians. They're not practicing Christianity. And he says this, he says, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. Yes, that can be for food, but it can be your appetite for pleasure. It can be appetite for your own personal happiness. It can be appetite to give me what I want, when I want it, when I need it. And he says, if you keep going down that path, you're headed for destruction. What fasting does is it regularly says in my life, I'm going to say no to something because I need to have saying no to something as a discipline in my life. They brag about shameful things and they think about this life here on earth. Number four is confession. Confession. Confess my sins to God, I'll be, conf be forgiven but I need somebody in my life that I can confess my sins to so I can be healed. And, and that's not necessarily from the flu or the common cold. That's about an internal spiritual healing as well. Okay? Unhealthy behaviors grow in dark places. I think that's why where we are as a society, as a nation, as a world because of the pandemic. The pandemic pushed everyone into isolated dark places. And unhealthy behaviors grew in those places. Proverbs 28, 13, people who conceal their sin will not prosper. Won't get you. But if they confess, like you get it out. And then they turn from that, which is repentance, then they'll receive mercy. Honestly, fear can be a prison. Sin can be a prison. It's embarrassing. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. And so many times if if I can get it out, it loses its grip on me. Like if I can confess it to just someone that loves me, I love them, they're trustworthy, they're safe, they've proven themselves, that's not Facebook. Okay. If I can just confess it to one person, then all of a sudden, that sin and that fear loses its control over me. Now somebody finds out about me. What a sorry son of a gun I am, right? They know that and they still love me. There's something healing in there. I no longer have to be afraid. What if somebody finds out? Because somebody did find out, I confessed it to them. And it's 
freeing. It's relieving to you. It just gets this burden off of you, the power of confession. If you're with me, say amen. Number five is worship. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering, come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all his splendor. Like this is a command to God's people. Be worshipers. I want us, one of my greatest desires is for us to be a worshiping church. That when people come to Hillspring, they're like, man, those are like the happiest people ever. They start singing songs up there, I don't even know, but man, they, I, I just look at them and they're believing what they're singing. There is such power in worship. That's why Sunday morning's good for your soul. Can I get an amen? Well, what's in it for me? I don't know. Psalm 1611 says, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. In your right hand, there's pleasures, I don't know, forever. What's in it for me if I worship? There's wisdom to how to live my life. There's fullness of joy. In his right hand, there's pleasures forever. It is so benefiting to us to add the spiritual discipline of worship in our life. Number six is fellowship. Being together with the right people, the right place. Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I, that's another big dream for me. When people come to church at Hillspring Church, whether it's in the lobby or in service or in a small group or whatever, that you got cheerleaders encouraging you. Man, I know you got some fear going on. I know your life is heavy. But man, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We are with you. God's got this. Let's go take on the world. Okay. Having the right relationship in our life is so key. We need life-giving people. We need the church. Something happens when God's people gather regularly and worship. For far too many, COVID has robbed that. 40%. 40, church attendance in the United States is down by 40%. And I understand. I get There are people that do not need to be in church. Safety. I, I get that. There are far too many of us. It just became a habit, and we just can't get back in that routine. And maybe this is why fear is rampant in this season of life. Is COVID has knocked us out of this spiritual rhythm. Number six is rest. Can I get an amen? I will practice that this afternoon. Come on, somebody. Rest. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you, everybody say it with me, rest. Sometimes your fear may be a trigger, may be a sign, may be something is too much, something's out of line. And so you need to slow down. You need to learn how to let your body rest, let your spirit rest, let your mind rest. Yesterday, my grandfather passed away back in December. My brother and I are now joint owners in my grandparents' home, and it hadn't really been worked on in a long time, and so we've completely remodeled it, and he and his wife, they're, they're empty nesters, and so they have a lot more time and flexibility on weekends. I have a job on Sundays, and so anyway, I went yesterday, and I worked, and man, we cut down trees, and we did all kinds of stuff. Your brother's sore up here today. You know what I'm saying? I'm sore. I worked outside. I left my house yesterday at 6 o'clock. I didn't get home until 9 o'clock last night. I'm sore. But I'm so refreshed because Monday through Friday, I worked with my mind. And all day yesterday, I got to work with my hands. It was refreshing to me to get to do that. We have got to find rhythms of life to rest, 
and refresh our soul. Number eight is celebration. We've already talked about this. Give thanks. I want you to pay attention. It's a cure for a lot of things in our culture. Giving thanks. Giving thanks. It's a cure for a lot of things in our lives. Number nine, service. We were made to make a difference. And this is not mommy and daddy going, oh, baby, you can do anything you want to do. No, this is God, your father, your creator talking to you. You were made to make a difference. You were made for a purpose, but the only way you can do that is to give yourself away. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. He's created us new in Christ Jesus. Thank God for that. So we can do the good things that he planned before I was ever born. God created you with a purpose. The only way you'll fulfill that purpose is if you can push away from your selfish and what about me and say, God, I give myself away. I am here to serve. Number 10 is generosity. Acts 20, 35, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Arrogant way. What about me? I'm going to take what I can get. Why would I give that? And God's way says, listen, if you will step into being a generous person, living open-handed, it does something in you. This is equivalent with fasting. It ain't fun. It ain't popular. It requires a little bit out of me. But if I can practice the spiritual discipline of being a generous person regularly, consistently, faithfully, investing in things that matter, like the local church, and it's, it's a blessing. John 3.16, for this is how God so loved the world he gave. You want to be like Christ? That should be our mission as Christians. We should want to be like Christ. You want to be like Christ? Do what God did. God gave. Number 11 is purity. First Corinthians 6.18 says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. There is no other sin that does more emotional and internal damage in your life than sexual sin. It just costs you. It's, it's forgivable. It's not greater than any other sin. It's not like, oh, there's all these lying sins over here and all that. And, and then there's the sexual ones. That's a different list. No, it's on the same list. It just impacts you more Physically, emotionally, relationally, it just costs more to us. It does more damage in our life. Let's push that out. Number 12, make disciples. Like invest in others. Like give yourself away. You are a step ahead of somebody else that needs what you've been through in their life. You ain't perfect. I ain't perfect. But we need to be reaching behind us and making disciples. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. What you've heard me say in front of a lot of people, in front of many witnesses, you do that. What you've been through in your life, you go teach other people too. Teach that to faithful men. Then they will be able to teach others. So it's like a multiplying system. Like if I'm going to reach down to somebody and somebody else, and then these two reach down to somebody and to somebody else, then all of a sudden you build this network of making disciples that becomes a circle of encouraging and praying and taking hell for the kingdom. Amen, everybody? Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, this is a command. Some things we just need to do because we're told 
to do it. Because he says, I said so. That ought to be enough. Why did I have to do that? Because I said so. Okay. Therefore, just go make disciples of all the nations. Why, we're a mission-minded church. Nations and neighborhoods. God blessed us with a lot. We need to take that to the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is fear costing you something? Is it... Is it costing you too much? Is fear keeping you from something? So it, it could be your life is missing one or more of these 12 things. There's a list here of, of 12 things to practice Christianity. They're spiritual disciplines. And really, we need all 12 of them in rhythms of our life. But I don't know that I'm doing all 12 of those with 100% effort right now. So, so maybe what we need to do is take one or take two or take three that I'm certainly not doing and I need to add that intentionally, like get the phone out, put it on the calendar, make a reminder. And I need to add that to my life. Why they're called spiritual disciplines. I have to discipline myself to do that, but it's also meant to make our lives better. It's meant to help us grow. It's meant to help us just become more like Christ. Love Jesus deeply. Build our faith. That's what they're there for. I don't, I don't, personally this week, I got a lot out of this. Feeling something. And maybe there's someone here today that you're a slave to fear. Maybe you're a slave to worry. You're not resting well. I'm just gonna tell you, God's word is the answer and God's people are here to help. He has given us a way. If you took notes, if you write it down, it's, it's right there. Food's on the table. It's up to you to eat. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.